a race far beyond some human competition, far beyond winning a medal. This is the race long marked out before us, the race of our lives. Will you run with a purpose? Will you finish strong? Will you run for your life? Well, welcome to Life Church today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you and to be here. And hopefully you've had a great week. And if you had not had a great week, then next week is starting, right? No? It's one of those times where everybody's just kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great to see you. I've had a great week. I'm excited about this next week. And, and, uh, and man, summer is here, even if we have to say it in faith. Amen. And uh, so it's great, great, great to be with you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. We're in part three of this series and uh, this three-part series on the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And so we've been walking through it. I think this is probably the most complicated uh, complex of the, of the three sermons uh, in this series, in this passage. But I think there's a lot of really good truth. And, uh, and so I, I really think there's some things to, to kind of uh, download uh, as you're running your race. Because here's the deal. Everybody in the room is a runner. Not, maybe not physically, but everybody in the room is running a race. And so you, you may not be a Christ follower, but you're on a journey. Matter of fact, the fact that you're here tells me that you're on a journey. Because no one, <laughs> you just don't get, you know, the Bible says no one comes to repentance. No one comes to salvation. No one comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ unless they're drawn up by the Holy Spirit. Which means the fact that you're in this room, unless your parents made you, which again, I guess that's a drawing of the Holy Spirit as well. But, but there is something about this that at least there's an intersection that's making you think. So you may be far away from God, but you're on a journey, and God has masterfully laid that journey out. Not in a manipulative way, but in a way that's revealing itself over time. You're a Christ follower, and you're running the race, and maybe you're new in your faith, and so you're, you're, just, you're taking it all in. So this is a great message for you as well. Or you've been running the race for a while, and sometimes what happens when we run the race for a while, we say, I've been here before. I got this. I understand this. And I want to challenge you today, just as this author of the book of Hebrews is going to challenge us in these 7, 9, 8, 10 verses, just to kind of stop for a second and reflect on your relationship. Stop for a second and reflect on where you are with Christ. And so if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. But if you do have a Bible, we're going to begin to read that. As we finished last week talking about how do we run through pain, and today we're going to talk about how do we run with confidence. How do I run the race that God's called me to with confidence? Whatever that calling is, whatever that vocation is, whatever that journey is, how do I run it with confidence? Verse 18 of chapter 12, it reads this way. And you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. To a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking to the words of those who heard it begged, that no further word be spoken to them. You may be going, what's he talking about? I'll explain in a minute. It's a bit confusing. Look at verse 20. Because they could not even bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches this mountain, it must be stoned to death, it was said. And the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion 
to a city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. For you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, and to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous, made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That's a reference to Adam and Eve's first, second son, Cain and Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks... If they did not escape when they were, were refused him, who warned them on earth, and how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At this time, the voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. For the words once more indicate the removing of things that can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably, with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, if you're reading that or you're hearing me read that and it's confusing to you, join the club. <laughs> right? Imagine preaching the sermon. This would be easier if it was just a lecture, if I was doing an hour lecture on this and I was just kind of walking you through it, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to do some of that, but I want to put it in a way that I think will make most sense for application, if that makes sense. I'm not just trying to exegete this passage and explain all the nuances of what's being talked about. Uh, I literally could, could, could spend probably a couple of hours doing that. I, I won't, trust me. But, but, but I, but I want to put it away because I think there's a high level of application here. And here's one. This is, this is an example of one of the passages that we will read from time to time that we just kind of skim over and go, okay, I, I just don't really get this. I'm just going to go on. No, no, no. Let's do a deep dive. Just for a minute, and, and I promise you, even if you're not a follower of Christ, there's conviction in what, what he's saying here. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're new in your faith, there's some refreshment that's here. And if you've been running this race for a while, I'm telling you, there is something for you to stop and just reflect and add to your journey. The first thing he tells us in this passage, starting in verse 18, is you better, as you're running the race, you better know where to run. You better know where to run. He's putting uh, the, old, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, versus the New Covenant, the New Testament. He's kind of colliding these two worlds together, and he's using two visual illustrations. Look at verse 18 again. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm. I'm glad I'm not. I don't know if you read that. I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to go to a, a mountain that that's kind of sounds freaky. And so... The author here is referring to, to Mount Sinai. Now, again, the, the people that are being the audience that this letter would have been written to, uh, they would have understood, because they come from the Jewish faith, they would have understood the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. So just let me say it this way in case I mess something up verbally. Old Testament, Old Covenant, the same thing. New Testament, New Covenant, same thing. So... Old Testament, Old Covenant. The Old Testament is the first, is the books in your Bible there uh, uh, from Genesis to Malachi that basically kind of encapsulates God's relationship with his people through the covenant that he gave, the law that he gave to Moses. Some refer to that as a Levitical law, i.e. the book of Leviticus, or the Mosaic law, i.e. Moses was the one that came down with the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai to the people. And so it's this 
It's, it's literal, but it's, there's also a lot of figurative foreshadowing of the, new, of, the, of the New Covenant, which would be the New Testament, which begins in the book of Matthew and ends in the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The New Covenant is all about Jesus. And Jesus says he didn't come to destroy the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, but rather he came to fulfill it. So by following Christ, we fulfill all the Old Covenant. But the Old Covenant and the Old Testament was simply given as an example that we can't do this. This is impossible. The New Covenant, the New Testament, Jesus comes to show us the grace that the Old Testament doesn't give us. There's all of this juxtapositioning, this comparison contrast. That's what the author is kind of drilling in on. And, that, and the audience would have completely understood all of that. And, and all of even, even some of the literary language as he describes this mountain that's burning with fire and darkness and gloom and storm. That they, he would have understood that's Mount Sinai. Moses comes off the mountain. Remember Charlton Heston? Off the mountain at Ten Commandments, right? That's Mount Sinai. God meets with Moses. God talks to Moses. Moses comes and leads the people. God is up there somewhere. It's very, it's very scary. Uh, even Moses himself in this passage talks about the fear and the trembling that goes on. The people see Moses ascend to the mountain. They see the clouds. They see the fire. They see all of these crazy cataclysmic uh, external things that are going on. And then Moses comes down and his face is so bright that they have to cover his head because, the, because he's, he's been in the presence of God. And it's so bright that the people can't even look upon him. This is prior to Ray-Bans, Right? Are you with me at all? Okay, good. So this is, I'm just trying to help you. So, so that's what, so they can't, they came and look up on him. And so this is, it's very much God is up there. God is untouchable. God is a little bit, I mean, reverence happens in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but there's a scariness. There is this intrepidation. There is this, be careful. If God gets mad, if God gets angry, if, if, if you violate the law, and again, if you read the book of Leviticus, it is pretty crazy. And so if you violate that in any, you break it in any part, you broken the entire law. And so they're, 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 he's reminding them of all of this. And Exodus chapter 19 talks a lot about the, the, this Mount Sinai. The mountain was fenced off. There was no trespassing. If you trespassed against the mountain, you would die. There would be a long trumpet blast. And, and only it was the only signal that they could come up the mountain. And the blast would terrify the people and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and Moses was the only one that could approach there. Moses was a mediator, and it was exclusive. And, 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 it, and it was just, it was all of this. And what it brings to mind is a bit kind of uh, hellfire brimstone. Uh, God's a scary God. And the mountain of God's a scary place. And you better have your stuff together before you see God or you're going to die. And sometimes if we're not careful when we're running our race, we begin to view God that way. And I'm not excusing sin. I, I think that sin is wrong, and sin sends us to hell, and God doesn't send anyone to hell. It's our own choice and our own, our own will and volition. So I'm not trying to minimize that, but I am trying to say that sometimes I think that we, I don't want to make God mad. I don't want to upset God. Almost like he's some angry drunk that if I don't do this just right, and if I don't say this just right, and if I don't, if I don't make God happy, and if I don't, if I don't just keep everything, then, 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 then he's going to kill me. He's going to obliterate me. He, he's going to. What's interesting is they thought this 2,000 years ago. They thought it thousands of years before that when their Old Testament experience. In the 21st century, 
Unfortunately, sometimes we have the exact same thoughts. Now, I'm not disparaging reverence, and, I'm not, and I think we should be reverent. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a difference between a holy fear of reverence and a fear I'm scared for my life, a fear of, 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 of I'm, scared, I'm turned off by, I'm repulsed by. Like, like growing up in the, in, in the household that I grew up with, and you, you didn't jack with my dad. Like, you just didn't mess. My, like, if my dad said no, he meant no. And you could push it a little bit, but when he looked at you, and if you ever heard that belt, belt jingle, you know what I'm talking about? It's going to hurt me more. It's going to hurt you. Uh, anyhow, it, you knew it. I mean, you just like, whoa, 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 whoa. But my dad was also the kind of man, uh, and again, my brother and I, we, 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 we pushed it pretty hard. It's, that's another story for another day. But, but, but my dad was the kind that every day would hug me and kiss me and tell me they loved me. But he's also the kind of guy that, man, you just didn't mess, you didn't jack with my dad. It's just the way it was. I mean, it's just what, what happened. And, and, but sometimes I think we, we see the scary side or think of the scary side or the fearful side of God, this Mount Sinai side. And what the author is saying here is this isn't what, this isn't the same mountain. This isn't the same journey. You got to know where you're going to run. Look at verse 22. He says, but you've come to Mount Zion. He's juxtapositioning this. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's the epicenter. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels joyfully assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, i.e. the New Testament, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He's speaking of Old Testament sacrifices. In the Old Testament you would take the, the blood of bulls and goats and they would, they would basically, uh, would, it would save you from your sins for a year. And every year you went and you had to do that every year in order to make yourself right with God according to the covenant. With Jesus, our mediator, his blood doesn't have expiration date. Though our sins be as scarlet, Isaiah says, Jesus' blood washes it white as snow. That when I stand... In Christ, I don't have to be fearful that I'm not perfect or I'm going to make God mad or I'm going to upset him. I'm, he's not, this is not a Mount Sinai. This is a Mount Zion, city of God. He, he, he puts this whole other image of a living God who is kind. See, God in the Old Testament, we, we, he, had, he had human-like cre- uh, characteristics. But in the New Testament, it's Jesus. God made flesh. So the one who caused blind eyes to see and the lame to walk and the dead to rise again. The one who had compassion upon children and said, don't push them away from me. For this is the kingdom of God. Unless you have faith such as one of these, you'll never get this. To the, to the downtrodden and to the, and to the, and to the, to the maligned and to the, and, and to the marginalized. He, he brought them from the outer courts into the inner courts. To those who are being taken advantage of, he steps in that gap and he speaks justice. 
to the woman that's caught in adultery in the middle of the action and brought into this, to the city square. And, the, and, and the, the Mosaic Levitical Old Testament law that was still in place, they're going to stone her and had every right until Jesus steps, steps in and says, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says, they all drop their rocks and their stones and they leave except for Jesus. He's the only one that had the ability to kill her for her sin of adultery according to the law. Yet he looks at her with grace and compassion and says, go and sin no more. When you're running this race, are you running a Mount Sinai race of like, I don't want to make God mad, so i got to get to church on time. I don't want to make God mad. i, I, I got to make sure I, I write that check. I, I don't want to make God mad. I, I, I want to make sure this is good. Is it like one of those things, if I do enough good stuff, I've put enough good stuff in the account, God, if I show up and I volunteer, if I bring enough water bottles for the 4th of July parade, you know, maybe I'll make God happy and everything will be good. Or are you running a race? Who is that race that's, you're running Mount Zion, that city of God, who Jesus, the Bible says, is the light. And in him there's no darkness. And he's the one, the great justifier, the one who knew no sin that became sin for you and I so that you and I might become the righteousness, the prize of God. The older brother who takes care of, who says, hey, you came up short, but don't worry, I, I've got you. My grace will, don't, don't worry, I'm going to, hey, all you've got to do is ask and then I'll take care of it. He's saying we're running a race here where the bottom line is we don't have to run in fear or in trepidation of do's and don'ts, but rather we can run a race filled with grace. For when we stumble and when we fall, he's gracious if we but ask. Are, are you pulling down on sin? No, 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 no. no. I'm not telling you. You don't, need to, you, you, you don't need to come to church because you need to make God happy. You need to come to church because you need to be in community with other Christ followers so you can live a, a robust life that God's called you to. You, you need to give in the offering, not because you don't want to make God mad, but because generosity comes from the heart. And, 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 and the more generous that you are as a person, regardless of the amount, it doesn't matter the amount, that generosity it begins to spill over to every part of your life. And when you begin to sow seed like that, you give God an opportunity to bless you. It's not to make God mad or not. You need to bring water bottles uh, for, for the 4th of July parade, not to make God happy or to put kind of some change in your emotional bank account with God. But, but you need to do it because you want to serve other people and, 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 and you want to be a part of. You, you, you want to do what you're doing with the right heart and with the right motive. It's not about making God happy or trying to make sure that he doesn't get upset with you so in some way he obliterates you. Because he's not going to do that for you. He's not going to do that to you. He's not some cosmic killjoy. He's, he's not in the heavenlies just trying to rain on your parade. Instead, he is a loving, gracious one who walks into those who are downtrodden and walks into those who have been marginalized and walks into those who, who don't have a voice. And he speaks and he helps. That's who you're running the race with. You're running the race. It's, it's, it's like running the race like with a military member, like with a fellow Marine that just says, no one's going to be left behind. You're not going to be left behind. I'm not going to let you fall. You see the difference? Rather than, hey, man, stinks to be you. You should have been good enough. You should have been qualified. I'll see you at the finish line. 
No, 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 that's not who you're running with. Your running mate, the race that you're running is one that says, I understand when you're tempted. I understand when you're tested. I understand when you try, just don't give up. Come on, we'll slow down the pace, but we're gonna get there. It may take a little longer, but we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there because that's the kind of race that you're running. But you better understand that when you're running this race. Second thing is realize what you're a part of. Realize what you're a part of. Verse 28 talks about this unshakable kingdom. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. Again, it's not a lack of reverence of God. It's, it's not a lack of awe with God or a lack of respect. But rather, it, it involves reverence and it involves awe because we understand we have a God that, could just, that doesn't have to have us, that doesn't, but he chooses he doesn't need us, but he chooses us. And doesn't just choose us, he helps us and he enables us. You have to understand what's happening in this particular point in time when the book of Hebrews is being written. The New Testament church, Christ followers, are literally undergoing crazy amounts of persecution physically. So everything in their world is shaking. They're losing their jobs because they're Christians. They're losing their livelihoods because they're Christians. They've got family members that have turned their back on them because they think they're crazy because they're Christians. You were raised in this household, how can you turn away from God? Because they were Christians. They're losing their lives because they're Christians. They're putting their spouses at risk because they're Christians. They're putting their kids at risk because they're Christians. You know, one thing is, as a dad, it's one thing for something to happen to me, but I don't want it to happen to my children. But they're facing all kinds of crazy persecution because, for one reason, they're followers of Jesus Christ. And this author of the book of Hebrews reminds them, remember what you're a part of. In a world that's shaking, in a world that's quaking, in a world that's falling apart in the seams, you are part of an unshakable kingdom. You can have confidence. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. And if you read history at all, history repeats itself over and over. It's very cyclical. Life is not linear. It doesn't begin and end. It runs in cycles. The question is, are you spiraling upward or downward? And how do you view the world? Do you think everything's progressing forward or it's digressing? According to the Bible, it's digressing till it will completely come apart. And there will be utter chaos. And then Jesus will come back. So in all of that, do I just need to get more Zoloft? Right? Come on, let's just be honest with me, Aaron. Should I, should I, should I, should I get a massage three times a week? Do, do, do I need to get one of those like flotation pools just to kind of float? And um, I tried one of those one time. It's kind of freaky. I was just talking to myself, and it was like, this is really weird. So anyhow, it's just like, do I need to just, what do I need to just do to kind of get into that more zen-like state? What, what, what do I need to, you need to understand that the world around us may shake and quake and come apart at the seams. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you run with confidence knowing that you are involved in a kingdom and you have a king who is unshakable. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 12 and 13 says it this way. But God made the earth by his power. And he founded the world by his wisdom. And he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. And when he thunders, 
the waters in the heavens roar, and he makes clouds to rise from the ends of the earth, and he sends lightning and rain that brings out the wind from its storehouses. God's power is absolute. God's power is incredible. And this kingdom that we're a part of is way bigger than just our local campus or our local church or, or, or a group of, of, of Christ followers in a particular part of the world. It, it, it's much better than that. It, it, it's important for us to understand that this race that we're running and that what we're doing, it, it, it has eternal implications. It has eternal impact. And, 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 and that although everything may be coming apart, we can have confidence that, that he that's began the work in us is faithful to complete it. So we're going to finish the race. And that no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. So we're going to win this thing. And that we're going to overcome. We're going to be more than a conqueror. So Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. But we're going to be more than that. We're going to be more than Jesus in that. Those aren't my words. Those are his. Because he goes to the Father for us. And we will do what he did. And even greater, Jesus said, because he goes to the Father for us. That's the kind of race that we're running. Not a race where we're scared because we're not running the Mount Sinai Marathon. We're running the Mount Zion Marathon, amen? And we're running this race with confidence, knowing that if everything has fallen apart around us, we can't have confidence in this, that we are a part of an unshakable kingdom. So why wig out over politics? My God. No, seriously, I, I'm, I'm being a little funny, but I'm being, thank you, Maggie. I, I'm being a little funny, but I'm just being, I'm being honest. Why, 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 why get tripped up and have to do some Facebook rage about something that's going on? I, I get it. I know I get frustrated too. Trust me. Trust me. I was in the Taco Bell line for like 13 minutes the other day, and I'm thinking, I just need to text and tweet about this. This is unacceptable. But I really did think about that. I just thought, how long does it take to make tacos? This is not that difficult. And when did they not cost 39 cents? Remember that, anybody? One seventy-nine a piece. Wow. Anyhow, so I'm just like, I mean, really? I mean, like, why am I going to become unhinged about this and that and the, mark, the stock market? It's going to go up and down. That's what it does. It's going to run in cycles. That's what it does. And I'm not being, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be callous or insensitive. But look, kingdoms and empires have risen and fallen, but God remains. People have come and gone, but God remains. The enemy has been roaming the face of this earth for thousands of years, yet God remains. So I have peace. It can storm outside. But I got peace that God will take care of me. And if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Some of you go, well, I just don't know that I believe that. I'm not tempting anything. Trust me, there's restaurants I want to eat at. But I'm just saying, I, I, I'm not worried about it. Because I know who holds tomorrow. And I'm running a race that he's got it. And if he doesn't have that storm, if he doesn't have that tornado, if he doesn't have that flood, baby, there's a whole lot bigger issues to worry about. But I know he has it. So it will rain on the just and the unjust. Good things will happen to bad people and bad things will happen to good people. It's part of the crazy world in which we live in. It's part of a shakable world in which we're encapsulated in. But in the middle of that, there will be an unshakable kingdom that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that I will overcome. And the words of Paul that I love is to be present in this world. I'm going to lead everybody I can to Jesus. It's going to be a benefit to the kingdom. But to be absent in this body, I'm going to be in the very presence of, of God. So there is no downside. And when you live life like that, you run a race 
with confidence. I'm going to get up and do my job tomorrow. And if that job plays out, God will open another door. I'm going to get up and love my kids. And if something happens, heaven forbid, I'm just going to trust that God has his hand upon their life. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. i got to move on. The third thing is, is that we've got to accept what Jesus Christ did for you. Accept what Jesus did for you. It's the last verse. It's this phrase. For our God is a consuming fire. When you hear that, again, it's an echo back to the Old Testament. It's a bridging back to the Old Testament. But the fire in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the fire forever burned at the altar. And so the book of Leviticus talks about this, that at the altar, you would come and you would bring your sins, you would bring your burdens physically in the, in the shape of some sacrifice, and the fire would consume it. Therefore, it would be acceptable unto the Lord. So today in the new covenant, Jesus is that consuming fire that when I come before him, all I've got to do is come to him. I don't have to bring the, the because he shed his blood on the cross, I don't have to bring any kind of a sacrifice. And, 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 and I come before him and I just say, God, forgive me. And he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He consumes my sins as though they are no more. He cast them as far as the east is from the west. He's a consuming fire. He takes my sins when I bring them to the altar and he consumes them. He carries them. He who knew no sin became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God. He's a consuming fire, which means when the world around me is drinking haterade and it's all falling apart, he's the only thing that matters. Because the consuming fire of God literally envelops and pushes everything else out to where it's just him. In the Old Testament, there's a story, it's an actual account, of three young men who were, had just been taken over by the, the Israel, Jerusalem had just been taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And their, their pagan names, their Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to bow down, bow down to the idol that everyone was to worship. And they were threatened and threatened. And finally, they were threatened with fire. Death by fire. And I love the account in the Old Testament when it says that they were thrown into the fire. And the fire was so hot that the men that threw them in died because of the flames. Yet these three young men did not die. Why? Because the God that they served was a consuming fire. Meaning there's no fire that you and I will ever go through on this earth that will ever come close to what God is. That he consumes anything around us, that he envelops us, that he encloses us. That's the kind of race that we're running. Look, no harm will come upon you unless God allows it. Are bad things going to happen to good people? Yes. Are things going on? Yes. Yes. Do I have all the answers? No, no. Don't ask me. I don't, I don't even know, like, if Adam and Eve had navels. I, I don't know the answer. There's a lot of things I have questions about. But here's what I know. That when they were thrown into the fire, they watched for these men to burn, and they didn't burn. And then they look, and they say, we don't see three men in the fire. We see four. 
Most scholars and theologians would say that that's the Son of God. That's God himself. In the middle of the controversy, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fire, he is the all-consuming fire. And when the fire died down and they pulled them out, they did not even smell of smoke, nor were their clothes even singed. What would have happened if you and I ran the race in such a way that we allowed ourselves to be put in situations that we were thrown into the proverbial fiery furnace so God could be glorified? What what would happen if we ran a race the way Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, where we ran with such confidence and we ran with with such clip and we ran with such stamina and we ran with such endurance and we ran with such focus, not to be perfect, but to be forgiven and through grace, but to allow (coughs) that all-consuming fire of Christ to be in us in such a way that it radically transforms everything else around us. That's what the author's talking about. Don't be scared of the fire that man may set. Don't be scared of the things that may happen. For the God that you serve, for Christ himself is the all-consuming fire, which means when you come to him with your burdens, he will take your burdens. When you come to him with your sins, he will take your sins. In the middle of everything else, He will push every bit of fear aside and every bit of of, of, of tension aside because there's this, because you can't you can't earn this. It's it's grace, it's amazing grace. It's it's this amazing grace of God that 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 Christ comes into our heart, comes into our life, and he consumes all that's wrong and and he fills us with a passion that's him. Even the Holy Spirit is likened to the fire that when 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 the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter two, the fire of God fell upon each one of them. Why? It's that consuming fire, the passion and the, and the fire and the, and the power that raised Christ from the dead. It forgives us of our sins, but it consumes our life in such a way that we run this race differently. And we have confidence. We have confidence. And these things shouldn't bring us fear. They should bring us confidence in our life and in our journey that we know where to run. In our life and our journey that we realize what we're a part of. In our life and our journey that we accept what Jesus Christ did for me. And run my race. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus, that you are that all-consuming fire. That you are that that all-consuming one. I thank you that we don't have to fear you, God, but rather we get to rejoice and live in you. And in you we live and we move and we have our being. I thank you, Father, that we have, God, a race in front of us that you've called us to. And that you will go with us. And that you will be with us. And we don't have to fear. We don't have to fret. We just keep our eyes upon you, Jesus, the runner and, 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 and the finisher and the author and the leader of our very faith. We just follow you, Jesus. We follow your lead, your pace. Help us today, God, to quiet our hearts. Help us today just to take a moment and to reflect. Help us to let us ask ourselves, do we see you as Mount Sinai or Mount Zion? Is there fear and trepidation and a need for perfection and approval? Or do we fall lovingly into your arms, Lord, with grace and strength? Do we understand that the world that we live in may be shaking, but we, Lord, serve an unshakable God and we are in an unshakable kingdom? Or do we allow fear and turmoil to come in and steal and kill and destroy? Have we accepted what you've done for us, Jesus, to cleanse us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness and to purge our hearts and to purge our lives? Are we still trying to help God out 
Help us to run the race you've called us to today. In Jesus' name, amen.